Acts chapter 4, as I was thinking we would. As I was looking this over, getting ready uh, over the weekend, and writing up the thing in the bulletin, I was drawn to a particular word in the passage, and I uh, thought, well, I'll study that out and check it out a little bit more as we go. And Well, there's just so much in this one word. We're just going to camp out here in the first couple of verses, first six verses of this, and see what's going on here with it. But in Acts chapter 14 and verse 1, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude both of the Jews and of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. So even though they got stirred up in this one, they didn't quite get stirred up as much as the previous city. And so they didn't leave right away. But they do eventually go. But here it says that they came to Iconium and they went into the synagogue. Now up to now, John Mark had been with them, but John Mark left. <laughs> and the ministry has not really gotten all that strong yet. They, were in some, uh, they had some interesting characters in the last city, but uh, nothing like this. And they'd always gone into the synagogues. Now when you go into a synagogue, you don't have to set up chairs. It's already there. After, uh, after a time here, they're going to come to a place where they're, they're no longer welcome in the synagogue. And when they go in, they have to preach in the open air areas. And there's a whole lot more set up. And I'm sure each time they were doing that, they were really wishing that John Mark or someone like him was along with them to help them out. But they didn't have that. But they come in here and they do have a synagogue still to go into. And they come into the Jews and, and they spoke to the great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks believed. So they came on in. Now, understand this in the, as the practice was in the synagogues. We didn't get into this too much last week, but uh, we could have. When Paul comes into the synagogue, and remember after they had read this scripture, that they gave an invitation for Paul to come up and to, to say, what say you gentlemen? And they came on up, and then he began to teach them. In the synagogues, they, were, they did not teach the word of God. They read it. That's all that they would do. But you didn't have a copy of the word of God at home to read, so you came to the synagogue, and then someone would read a section of that scripture. More than likely, when Paul got up and, and taught, he was teaching on a passage of scripture that they had just read. Very possible. We don't know that for sure, but it would seem that he would get up and he would, he would do that. So they had somebody who was now teaching them on the scriptures they were hearing. This was intriguing because that's not something that normally happened. Uh, for a while, the church got away from teaching and the church uh, didn't really do too much uh, with the scriptures at all. It was all ceremony. Now we have churches and some of them are more motivational. There is no real Bible in it. It's just a motivational speech. Sometimes they talk about the Word, and then there are still some, some churches around that teach the Word, but of course there are um, different kinds of churches all the way around. But here, this is, the synagogue was all you had, and all they did was they read the Word. When Jesus came into the synagogue, remember, they handed to him the scroll, and he read from there. And the only reason all eyes were fixed on him is because he changed some of the words, and they knew the words, but he changed some of them when he read it. And I thought, well, that's not the way that was originally read. So if you go back there, you can see the, the words. He personalized it. He made it that uh, he was the one who was doing this. And they were perplexed about that a little bit. So he went on and explained some things. But normally the person who got up just read from the scriptures and no one really taught the Bible. Can you imagine going through life and never, never teaching the Bible? And that's how they, they were. So here we have the, 
uh, were in Gentile cities, and so you have Jews and Gentiles, and some Gentiles would come out to the synagogue. They probably didn't like all the laws of the Jewish religion, but they were tired of the heathenism, and so they came on out just to hear the word, and now someone was actually explaining the word. So the Gentiles probably loved this. And that's why they were so excited about, about this. But in verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews, in other words, we had Jews there, some of them were believing and some of them were unbelieving. This word is uh, also used for disobedient. They were going against the things that were, that were said there. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. That word poison jumped out at me. They poisoned the mind. How do you poison a person's mind? How does one do that? Well, I put in your outline here that there's generally two kinds of people. I had a lot more in your outline. I had to cut a whole bunch out because it just didn't fit. So if uh, any of it seems intriguing to you, I have it written down up over here. If you hear something, perhaps uh, I wrote it down up here. But there are generally two kinds of people with regard to poisoning. You can always say there's two kinds of people in the world, and you know the list of that kind of two kinds of people goes on and on. But there's basically those who do and those who don't. Those who do poison and those who don't poison. Because if you don't poison, then you do poison. If you do poison, then obviously you don't poison. It's, it's one or the other. So it's just, uh, you're going to just be in two. But I put in the, those who don't, those who are just thinking about it. Sometimes we're thinking about poisoning somebody, but we just didn't do it yet. So those who do and those who don't. Those who do poison others are not content with letting others decide on their own. You will notice this about people who will poison the minds of others. They are not content with letting others decide on their own. Those who don't prefer to poison other people, they prefer others make up their own mind. But the people who desire to poison the minds of others do not want them to make up their own mind. They want to limit their choices. The ones who don't desire to poison the minds of others want you to be free to make up your own mind. It's, a, it's an attitude issue. It's a whole different attitude that comes up. I put this in your outline. I know this one's in there. One group believes in freedom to choose. The other wants to restrict choices. One believes in freedom to choose. The other wants to restrict choices. Now, our country was founded in what's called, uh, it's, it's errantly called the freedom of religion. Our country was not founded on freedom of religion. It has, been, it has been corrupted into that, but that is not the founding of this country. This founding was founded on the freedom to worship God. It's very different. We are not founded on the freedom of religion. We are founded on the freedom to worship God. The people who came here all worshiped God but they were being told by the Church of England how they were to worship God. They didn't like being told how to worship God. They wanted to worship God as they saw they should from the Word of God. And so they came over here to get away from that oppression. The oppression came from religious leaders. They wanted to get away from that. They came to this country to worship God, not to worship anything else. They came here to worship God, but they wanted to worship Him as they saw fit to, as they saw the Word of God was telling them to. So it's not a freedom of religion. It is a freedom to worship God. That is what our country was founded on. That is why so much of our Constitution, so much of our um, monuments have Scripture verses in them, have uh, the Bible concepts in there, because God was what we worshipped. And we wanted to have the freedom to worship Him 
in the way that we saw fit from the Word of God. So you came on over here and you had a number of different types of churches. If where they came from, they had one. And that one church was telling them how to worship, and it was a very oppressive church. So one group believes in freedom to choose, the other wants to restrict the choices. This is true of anything. Anytime that you find a group of people who want to poison the minds of others, they want to restrict your freedom. You will find this in a number of different groups that are around here. The, the, uh, not all, but certain groups that are vegetarian. What do they want to do to the meat lovers of the world? They want them to not eat meat. They want to restrict your choices. What do the meat lovers want to do to the vegetarians? Nothing. If you want to eat vegetables, go for it. <laughs> More meat for me. <laughs> they, so you see there's a difference in attitude that's there. Uh, and it's, it's a, a lot of other uh, places like that, views of government, views of food, um, views of, of religion. Uh, even in this, the whole thing with marriage is coming up that's here. They don't want a freedom to choose, uh, like the, uh, what is it, uh, abortion. The name that they put on that, the, uh, uh, the, there's the uh, right to life. Who's the anti-group? The pro-choice. Pro they say pro-choice, but what they want you to not do is to choose life. And they do everything to get you to not choose that. So again, it's the, the groups that pull into the area of poison are trying to restrict the freedom of other people. Don't fall into that. Don't let people poison you, and certainly don't be of those that, that uh, poison the mind. Even us that are uh, worshiping God. Do we force anyone else to worship God? No. If you don't want to worship God, what do we say? It's your choice. This one's better. <laughs> I think this one's better. But if you don't worship God, you cannot worship God. That's fine. You know, if, if, if certain groups don't like people on the radio or the television or don't like certain printed books, or what do they, they want to get rid of all of them. We don't like that person on the radio. We don't like that person on the TV. We don't like that writer in the newspaper. We don't like that particular newspaper. We don't like that particular publication. What do they want to do? Get rid of it. They want to wipe it out because they want to get rid of the choices. But you look at the people that are into freedom and they look at people that are on the other side of them. What do they say about them? If you want to have people who promote those ideas, go for it. Have fun with it. We're over here. We're, we're, see, there's, there's a difference between freedom and poisoning. And the group that has, has embraced the idea of poisoning the minds wants to restrict choices. Anytime, anyone, anywhere, in anything, church, government, schools, colleges, work, whatever it is, if you see the intent of restricting choices, they are of the group to poison. Because how are you going to restrict the choices? Now, we'll go back to the Garden of Eden. We go back to this story a lot because this is where it all started. Did God restrict the choices? No, he opened the entire garden up to him. And he says, here you go, guys. It's your choice. You can eat from any tree in the garden. But if you eat from this tree, the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Is it their choice? He didn't pull the choice away, did he? But the devil comes in and he wants to poison their minds. How does he do it? He wants to sow a seed into their minds. Has God really said 
And of course, then it's repeated. So Eve repeats it. God has said we shall not eat of any of the trees of the garden, or, or, or we can eat of any of the trees of the garden except this one. We are not to eat it or touch it. That's not quite what God said. She had a little bit off. But anyway, she had uh, some of it, right? And the devil comes in and he says, you will not surely die, but God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you will be as God, knowing both good and evil. Wow. See, we're, we're sowing those, those, we're poisoning the mind. By doing this, how are they in the area receptive, being receptive to what God says? We're suddenly not as receptive to what God said. Has God really said that? Has, is God trying to hold something back from me? God's not trying to hold anything back. What's he trying to do? Show them, here's the choices. There's consequences if you choose that one. And there's blessings if you choose this one. When they get to the, uh, when Moses and, and uh, uh, jo Joshua come to the children of Israel and they say, you make a choice this day, what you're going to do? God says, if you choose to serve God, if you choose to follow the commandments, this is what will follow. If you choose not to, if you choose to, to go after the idols, and this is what will follow. He gave, here's the choice. Choose whichever one you want. But these are the results. This is what will happen. Well, I don't believe you. Well, then don't believe me. Go for it. Go try it out. When God, when the people of, of Israel came and they said, we want a king, is that a choice? Does God say, no, you can't have that choice? God says, uh, tell them what's going to happen if they choose a king. So Samuel goes out, goes out there and he says, if you choose a king, he's going to take of your daughters to be uh, wives, have a harem. He's going to take, tax you. He's going to, all these different things are going to happen. Do you want that? Yeah, yeah, we want it like other, like other nations. We want to become like other nations and have a king like that. <laughs> and so God says, all right, that's your choice. You see, God is into choices, but he's also into you being satisfied with the consequences of your choices. But the other side the Satan side does not want you to see God's choices. He wants you to choose his way, which is a way of destruction. And he wants to mask that destruction until it is too late and you are into it. This is why people fall into sexual sins and adultery and things like that is because it's masked. The, the, the consequences are masked. No, you, you're going to be able to do this, get away with it. And all. No, it doesn't quite work out that way. So God wants us free to choose. That's God's desire. He wants us free to choose. And in that freedom to choose, he wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose life. He wants us to choose obedience. That's what he wants. So God wants us to free to choose. The enemy wants freedom restricted. God wants us free to choose. The enemy wants freedom restricted. Always wants freedom to be restricted. We don't want you to have access to this. They're trying right now to restrict what churches are teaching. You can't teach against this group. You can't teach about this sin. You can't, they want to restrict these different things because God's into freedom to choose. The enemy wants freedom restricted. And, and it's amazing how much people are willing to go along with this. People, you know, they have, have gun violence, and as soon as they have that, then the media jumps in there. We need to restrict all guns. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can't have that go on again. Mm -hmm. Restricting uh, drugs has eliminated that problem, right? When we restricted alcohol, prohibition, we, we took care of that problem, didn't we? Is it, is it, or have we restricted uh, stealing? 
Is it against the law to steal? Yeah, so that shouldn't be a problem anymore, right? Yeah. That, uh, but that's what they, they want you to, to believe. The only way to take a free person, because this is what's really odd, how do you take a free person and restrict their choices? How do you take a person who is free and put them in a place where they have less choices? The only way you can do it is to make them think certain things are, first off, harmful. You've got to make them think that certain choices are harmful. If people continue to hear this kind of teaching, they will become nasty. And I mean, every time that you have a person who goes overboard in the area of guns and they go into a place and they shoot them, they're always trying to target who did they listen to, what did they read, and if they find it, advantageous to them, then, of course, they publicize it. Well, they used to, they listened to this guy, they went to this church, they're, they're this way. But if it doesn't make, made a meet up with that, then, of course, they cover all that stuff up. You have to, first off, make sure to the, 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 make them think that certain choices are harmful. Uh, secondly, that it's not beneficial. That choice, having a freedom to have guns, that's not beneficial. That's not good. Having the freedom to pick whatever doctor you want, that's not good. But you don't want that freedom. <laughs> and there's all kinds of other things that are coming up with, with that. Uh, third, damaging to others. They want you to think that certain choices are damaging to others. If other people have the freedom to choose this, then that will be damaging to other people. If they have the freedom to choose to listen to these kind of things, then they will go out and they will be violent. The, it's amazing that you know certain churches, certain talk shows, certain magazines, certain newspapers, these things will cause people to be violent, but violent video games have no effect on it at all. Violent movies, no problem. Get as violent of a movie as you want. Get as violent of a video game as you want. That's okay. But certain people, no, we've got to stop them. It, it, it doesn't make sense <laughs> when you try and think it out. But uh, for most people, they don't need to. Need it to make sense. Uh, fourth, not good for everyone to have. In order to restrict a person who is free, in order to restrict their choices, you've got to make them think that certain choices are not good for everyone to have. They're damaging to others, and they're not good for everyone. Not everyone can handle this choice. We need to restrict, we need to limit how many people can have a gun, how many people can uh, move to a different state, how many people can have a car. We gotta, uh, these things can eventually come. And, and in certain countries, these things work. Restricted. These things were uh, contained. We're used to having those kind of things in here, but one by one, we're seeing things go away. Uh, lastly, or to make bad choices seem good. Didn't the devil do a good job of that? God knows that the day that you eat of it, you will know both good and evil. You're making a bad choice look like it's good. As soon as they ate of it, they knew we did a bad thing. This is a bad choice. This was not good. But this is what the enemy wants to do, is to make, a, make you have a bad choice, but make it seem good. Because once you make the choice, and once we have the thing, then it doesn't seem to go away. Back out in the, in the um, presidency of uh, Lyndon Johnson, we uh, set out on what was called, the, it was his words, uh, the war on poverty. Anybody heard that before? We did a war on poverty. There's no reason that this country so great should have poor people in it. Since that declaration of war on poverty, do you know how much money we have uh, spent on the war on poverty? The number, is, it's a high number. $17 trillion has been spent, as much as our national debt. 
And there are exactly as many poor people, percentage-wise, now as before we spent the $17 trillion. Was that a good choice? <laughs> well, would we have more poor people if we didn't make that choice? Well, a lot of their decisions for what they're doing. I heard somebody, uh, even who was a Ronald Reagan, when he came out, he had a great speech. This is before he was president. And he, he uh, counted up the uh, amount of dollars and the amount of families it was supposed to help. And I think that out of that, they were supposed to get so many thousand dollars a year. And as it was, they were getting a couple of hundred. And his comment was, uh, looks like there's some overhead. <laughs> some other people were taking the money that's supposed to go on the war on poverty. And they were getting rich while saying that the war was on poverty. And a lot of people have gotten rich off of that war. Uh, but what we want to do here is to make bad choices seem good. If we can make bad choices seem good, then we're, we're apt to do that. This whole thing with global warming, the whole idea is to get people to make bad choices. If we make bad choices, if we say, well, we'll agree to higher taxes, we'll agree to taxes on business, we'll agree to restrictions on business, we'll agree to restrictions on our cars, we'll rejoice, uh, agree to additives in our gasoline, we'll agree to higher gas prices, we make all these agreements and nothing necessarily happens. Was it a good choice? But once the choice is made, can you go backwards? The idea is to make bad choices seem good. This is the strategy of the people who want to try and poison the mind. So you've got to think of these strategies, think of how it is happening today, and then put it back in there and you can see it when it's happening with these guys. So they went to the synagogue of the Jews, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and they, there's a stirring up. They were okay with just, well, I'm not sure if I believe that. Some of the Gentiles believed, some of the Gentiles did not. Some of the Gentiles who did not believe were okay with just not believing. Some of the Gentiles who did believe, they were okay with just believing. They weren't going to go out there and force people to believe, and the unbelievers weren't going to go out there and force believers to stop believing. They just were okay with it. So these guys come in and they stir it up. We, we can't have you guys be agreeable to this thing. No, no, no. We gotta have, we, you need to have a problem with this. So how they do it? They poison their mind. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. That's the key word right there, against. People who desire to poison our minds are trying to get us to be against somebody. The whole thing with uh, gay marriage is coming up here anymore. They want, they want to tell the world that Christians are against homosexuals. Are we against them? No. We'd like to see them make a change in their lifestyle for their benefit. I heard somebody say that the lifespan of a homosexual male, the average lifespan, 45, I believe is that what it is? About 45 years old. Average lifespan of a, hetero, of a homosexual male is 45. Is that a good lifestyle? It is not a good lifestyle. If you come about and you tell them some of the, the sexual diseases that are prone into that group, well, you know, that's, you're, just being, you're just being hateful. But the, the studies show <laughs> that's where the most of the sexual diseases are, are, are people that are in the homosexual group. That's where they come. That's why their lifespan is so short. 45. Can you imagine in this country, average lifespan of 45. What's the average lifespan otherwise? I'm not even sure. Is it 60-something? Yeah, it's got to be at least in the 60s. 
See, 20 years, you might have to lose in 20 years simply because of a lifestyle choice. I bet you they don't tell you that. I saw something too about um, uh, the, the number of partners that a heterosexual person would have compared to a homosexual person. It is astounding. It is astounding. It goes from single digits for one group to uh, uh, double digits to triple digits for the other. It's, uh, it's a bad choice. But we want to make a bad choice seem like it's good. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. God is not about restricting choices. He is about letting you see the results of those choices. And then if you want to make them, go ahead. Do we have the choice to tithe? Yeah, it's our choice to tithe. There's a benefits if we do. Yeah, but God's not going to come in and force you. There's benefits to receiving Jesus as your Savior, becoming born again, but God doesn't force anybody to do it. There's benefits to going to church, but God doesn't force anybody to go to church. But those who would poison want to limit things of this nature. So God does not want to limit our freedom, but wants us informed as to what is good, what is harmful, and what is of no benefit. Because that's basically the three, three categories. You have the things that are good, you have the things that are harmful, and the things that have no benefit at all. There we go. 76 for men, 80, 81 for women. Wow. 45 male homosexual. I don't know what the woman is on that one. I, did, I didn't hear that stat. I don't know. I just know for the, for the men. If you are curious about that, you can go look it up. The enemy wants to limit our freedom to keep us from what is good because, I get this, I get this down. This is, there's a purpose behind it. The enemy wants to limit our freedom to keep us from what is good because a weak enemy is easier to defeat. A weak enemy is easier to defeat. When Satan comes into the garden, is Adam a formidable foe? Yes. If he can defeat him in this area, would he still be a formidable foe? No. So he leads him into a thing, this is good for you, this is helpful for you. This is going to be good. It's kind of like that um, uh, Disney thing. Uh, uh, who was it? Um, Sleeping Beauty? The, the witch, here you go. Try this apple. <laughs> I think that's the one who had that. And she took the apple and she fell asleep and uh, became Sleeping Beauty. The enemy wants to give you something, pass it off as being good, but it's harmful. It, it's, it's not good. It's, it's a poison. If, if I had the... Um, uh, the time and the, if I was sure we could have I've gotten everything, I was thinking of going over to the, the, the uh, James Bond movies set. If, you, if you've seen any of the, the uh, recent James Bond, I think it was the first one with the new Bond. When you're at the car table and he gets poisoned. Casino Royale, there you go. And he runs, he, he realizes that he's been poisoned. What's his, his defense? First off, he tries to throw up to get out what's, what's in there. And... Um, and there, there are certain th- steps that he has to do. He has to counteract that poison that's there and um, calls in and they do all these things. Well, of course, you know, they had to stop his heart and <coughs> jumpstart him again and all that sort of stuff. And so the lady comes out and she helps him out and everything's good. But there, there's an effect. When that poison comes into his body, his vision becomes affected, his thinking becomes affected, his breathing, his heart. When that poison comes in, it begins to affect other areas of the body that you, you didn't want affected. You didn't want all those things affected. But that poison got into the, into the body. 
God wants to enlighten us to make the right choice. That's God's goal. God's goal is to send teachers. God's goal is to send his spirit. God's goal is to send his word. God's goal is to enlighten us that we make right choices. That's his goal. The enemy desires to, res to restrain this enlightenment so that our choices are limited. That's his goal. He wants to cut down on that enlightenment. This is why the government of the United States is coming against teachers, uh, churches, people in ministry roles against the things that they can teach because they've got to eliminate the enlightenment. That's the goal of the enemy. In, in order to poison the minds, you've got to, to uh, attack it this way. You've got to get that truth out of them. Well, that's the, uh, the whole poisoning process. How about the poison? In order to poison somebody, I think I put this in your outline. Um, you know, in order to poison somebody, you have to have poison, Right? The word here for poisoned in the Bible is the Greek word kakao. It means to harm, mistreat, injure, exasperate, make evil, affected, and treat evil. This is in the noun form. There's, some adverb, there's more uses of this in the adverb form, but in the noun form, we only have like six or seven uses, and we're going to go over those here. But if you're going to poison someone, you must first have a poison. You can't just desire to poison someone and not have something. You've got to have that particular poison that you want to put into that person's drink, that you want to put into that person's food, that you want to put in whatever it is. You've got to have the poison. The only difference we are told from the Jews, the ones who stirred up and the ones who didn't stir up, the only difference we have is that they are called unbelieving. That's the only difference we have. The ones who stirred up there are called unbelieving Jews. So they have doubt, they have unbelief. That's what they have. They have to take that doubt, they have to take that unbelief, and they have to get it into the other people. In order to get it in, in order to get poison into someone else, you have to put it into something that they want to take. In the case of the Casino Royale, they put it in his drink, I believe. He uh, drank some alcoholic beverage, and there you go, just don't drink al alcoholic beverages. I'm told that the alcoholic beverages cover up poisons real well. <laughs> So if you want to put something in there, that's the, that's the place to go. Uh, if you're going to poison me, that's not the way you're going to get there. But for some people, that might be the way it is. Uh, other people, you know, I guess if, if you could put one into a Diet Coke, maybe that would work on me. Diet, Diet Coke, maybe an iced tea, something like that. That would probably work out okay. A uh, glass of chocolate milk. I, I enjoy chocolate milk. Uh, don't get it all the time, but I love eggnog. Oh, man, I, I buy it up all I can whenever it, uh, whenever I get a, then it goes away. I get so sad when it goes away. The, the nice thing is that I can buy a thing of, of eggnog, put it in the refrigerator, and really no one in the house touches it. Christian does like it, but he doesn't like it like I do, and the rest of them despise it. They see it as slimy, icky, ooey, and, and so I get it all to myself. <laughs> it's a good thing. Oh, I just, uh, that is my nighttime Daytime, afternoon, I can take that anytime, just fill that up and just, oh, man, that is good. I could sit back like people do coffee. I would just enjoy that. So anyway, there's a number of things you could slip it into, but if uh, alcoholic beverage isn't one. You've got to take the poison that you have and you've got to put it into something that the people want. You've got to put it into something that the people want. They won't just buy into the poison. You've got you to put it, into, put it into somehow that they would take it. So the poison they, they give, uh, I'll put this in your outline for you. The poison they give are reasons, factual, fabricated, or delusional, to cause doubt in the targets about the truth they heard. 
the poison that these folks are giving are reasons, doubts, basically, that are either factual, fabricated, or delusional to cause doubt in the targets about the truth they heard. They are not coming against anyone else except for the people who heard the truth. They want to say something about what they heard. It can be factual. Maybe not all the facts are there, but it can be. What the devil gave the, the people in the garden, was it factual? There were some facts in there, wasn't it? They were, their eyes were going to be open. They would know both good and evil. It would not make them wise, but... <laughs> But, but he did not just give them all on facts. There were some factual things in there. He just posed it a little bit differently. We would say, knowing good, good and evil, that's, that's awful. Why would I want to know good and evil? I'd rather just know good. He doesn't give them the whole thing. He sells it to them when, when somebody, he was a salesman. Fact, factual, fabricated, or delusional. Any of those things can come on in. And it doesn't matter as long as people buy into it. As long as folks buy into it, this is, this is what we need. To cause doubt. To cause doubt in the targets about the truth they heard. So this is what we want to we come in. And we've seen this quite a bit with uh, just a number of things that the government has been trying to do on, on things. We've seen abuses of power. We've seen people doing things that they're not supposed to do. We've seen branches of the government do things and overstep their bounds. Uh, it's, and, and no one's really doing anything about it. Nobody does anything about it, then it'll go on. People who challenge it, well, you're going to see the same thing as you do here. Challenges to the authentic nature of the poison are never tolerated. If you try and challenge the authentic nature of what people are selling you as a poison, it's not tolerated. Take global warming. If you come in and challenge that, what happens to the people who do? They, they, never, they never argue your facts. They never break down the things that you're, you're bringing to the table as far as what's going on. They, uh, they, they come against you personally. They, uh, they try and discredit you. They just try and uh, make these uh, four-page arguments that say nothing. Whatever they, but challenges aren't taken. And then, of course, they throw out that the consensus. The consensus is, well, science is never consensus. How many times in science history did we have one person who believes something different? How many people believe Newton's theory? Newton. <laughs> that was it. He, no one else believed it. He, they all thought he was nuts. In fact, the, the Catholic Church made him promise that he would not teach that anymore. They saw it as, as wrong. And uh, Galileo, did he have some beliefs that no one else took hold of? Albert Einstein, did he have some beliefs that no one else could see, understand? Now, he didn't quite get the abuse, I think, that uh, some of the other ones did. Um, but even in, the, even in the Christian religion, uh, Martin Luther, did he have some beliefs that no one else? Yeah. There is no consensus. If it's science, it's not consensus. If it's science, it's fact. Whether one person believes it or a whole world of people believe it, that's all, all that matters is that it's true. We had consensus that this earth was flat. And Columbus came against that. He didn't think that it was flat. He didn't think it was flat, and so, so much so he got in a boat and went for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Science is never consensual. When you hear people that talk about it, that they're trying to quiet down a certain group who don't believe it. And they have poisoned the mind. Go on out there into the world today and you start talking that global warming is a, is a farce. And how many people will argue with you? 
on that. And they won't argue facts and, and function. They'll just uh, they'll throw out some of the things that they've heard, whether right or not. So you must accept the poison without question, but the truth is constantly challenged and its believers are scandalized. People who believe in the truth are constantly scandalized. How many times are churches taken over the coals for the things they believe? Or they find a crazy church, like that one down in Florida, that uh, West something or other. I've, what is it called? Westbury. I think that's about it. Yeah, that's a nutty church down there. They just they do some things. They show up at funerals of military people and do some things. that. Well, they'll, they'll focus on them and they'll try and you know, put all churches in that category. All churches are not in that category. I don't consider them to be in a church category. That's not the love of God going through with, with those folks, but that's what they, they certainly try and do. If you are unbelieving, you can sow doubt. That's what these folks could do. If you are bitter, you can sow discord. If you've got poison, you can sow it. You can give it. The idea is to get rid of any of that kind of stuff in you. Just because you may have it doesn't mean that you give it. But if you have it, you can give it. How many of you ever had some of that poison around your house from mice? Yeah, did you ever feed it to your dog? No. Did you ever uh, have a neighbor that you wanted to feed it to? But didn't? Okay, so, so, so you, can, you can have the poison. You don't necessarily have to use it for, <laughs> for this kind of thing. But you have to have it in order to use it. So they were unbelievers. This is what they did. They, they sowed doubts into those things. Not the doubts that they had. But just doubts. They just had to get, they, they had to get them to hang on to some kind of a doubt. And, uh, you know, even with this whole uh, Obamacare mess that's, that's going on, how many people in government do not want to take it to tell us something? I mean, the staff of the senators and stuff like that, they got that exemption where they don't have to pay for it. They're going to go on Obamacare, but they don't have to pay for it. You know, there are still a bunch of them who want to quit because they don't want to have to take it. And these are the folks who wrote it. These are the folks who helped write it. If they wrote it and they know what's in it and they don't want it, <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> danger, Will Robinson, danger. They should be the ones that have to take it. If you're going to make everybody else take it, they should be the ones that have to take it yourself. But poison will pitch you against others. If you have taken in poison, you will be against other people. That's a real good way to find out, have I taken in poison? If I take in poison, I am against other people. Truth will draw you to other people. Poison will, put, will pitch you against others, but truth will draw you to other people. Now, others, as in believers or unbelievers, not, but not poisoners. If you are inclined to the truth, you do not like people who poison others. You are not drawn to them. That's, that's understand. Look at Paul. Paul liked everybody. Paul go into a city where there are believers, unbelievers. He's trying to minister to them all. But if you came against the believers and that's the people who came, if you came against it, what happened with Paul and you? Paul does not like you. <laughs> Paul is mad with you. Paul will confront you. If, uh, when Jesus came on the scene, he was uh, ministering to everybody. But if you tried to poison the minds of other people, what did Jesus do? He'd call you out. He'd expose you. He did not like you doing those kind of things. So understand, if you are drawn to the truth, you will, you will be drawn to other people. Saved, unsaved, doesn't matter. Sinner, not a sinner. Believer, not a believer, doesn't matter. You will be drawn to other people. But when you come across people that are poisoners, you will not be drawn to them if you are the one of the truth. 
If you are a person of the truth, you, are, you see other people out there, you see them a homosexual, you see a robber, you see a thief, you see, and you, you, you are drawn to them to try and help them out, try and pull them out of their lifestyle. If you are poisoned and you see somebody who's doing something against the things you're poisoned to, you are against them. You don't even know them, but I am against you because <laughs> you've pulled in that, that poison. I had this in your outline before I had to take it out. Don't swallow everything. <laughs> don't swallow everything. Just because somebody is coming to you with enthusiasm doesn't mean what they are saying you ought to take. Because you take in that poison. Once you take it in, uh, you, can't, you can't change your mind. Picture that James Bond movie. He realizes, I've been poisoned. I've been poisoned. Oh, he, if he could go back, what would he do? Not take the drink. Not take that drink. That's what he would do. He would go back and not do that. But he can't. It's already done. It's already in the system. Now we've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with getting that stuff out. I wish more people would realize once they took in poison, we've got to get that thing out because it plays with your mind and affects you. Acts chapter 7, verse 6. Here's one place where we see that. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. Oh, I didn't uh, highlight which word it was. I'm pretty sure it was the word oppress there. It was either that or bring them into bondage. But the idea is that the uh, Jews for the Egyptians, even in the Old Testament, this word is used in the Septuagint when it's talking about the Egyptians and the bondage that they put them in. They were seeing that the Egyptians took the Israelites and put them into bondage, and it's using this word to do so. It's using this word to, to, to do it. It's, it. Here it's poisoning their minds, and the margin, my margin says embittered. They embittered them. But they're acting against them in this way to put them to limit their choices, to limit what they can do, to take their freedom away. That's what poisoning basically does. Acts chapter 7, verse 19, This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so they may not live. He oppressed our forefathers. Well, again, you're taking away their, their choices. You're taking away the choices of the forefathers. You're taking away what they can decide to do. In Acts chapter 12, and verse 1, Now about this time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass, there's the word, some from the church to harass some from the church. When you're coming out to harass some of them, you're, you're, coming, out there to, you're coming out there to afflict them. You're coming out there to, to, to take the words that they're saying and, and compromise them. You're taking them to put them in the prison, whatever it might be. You're, you're out there to restrict their freedom. Acts 18 and verse 10, For I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And I believe it will attack you to hurt you. Hurt you, I believe, is the word there that is, that is there. Th again, the word has harm that comes to it. Most people don't realize that harm will come to them when they take this thing, when this thing is given to them, when this poison is given. The people in uh, Paul's case, they didn't realize that when they were being poisoned, harm was going to come to them. But that's what that word was saying. 1 Peter 3 and 13, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Who is he who will harm you who is he who can poison you? Who is he who can embitter you if you become followers of what is good? Don't become a follower of what is bad or what is harmful. Those are the places that that word is, is used. Now let's take a look at the people who were poisoned. When we receive poison, it has effect on the whole body. 
It may come in and go into your stomach. It may come in, maybe it's an injection, maybe it's a spray, whatever it might be. But eventually the target of that poison is to come in and to affect your whole body. It affects our vision, it affects our hearing, it affects our taste, it affects our smell, our thinking. Parts of our body become involved, like the heart, the lungs, the uh, blood, all kinds of, they all become affected by the poison. It begins to spread and begin to do things. And once it's there and we see it, it doing, it's, it's hard to stop. You need the antidote. Most of the times, you know, it's always the bad guy who has the antidote. You know, and you got to go get the bad guy. You got to torture the bad guy. And, uh, and then you got to take the bad guy to his headquarters and fight off all the other bad guys because that's where the antidote is. Get the antidote and then administer the antidote and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we were watching some show. I forget which one it was. And they took the bad guy. They wanted to get the poison. And they took the bad guy to the hideout where he was at. They broke him in there. And they inflicted, and they inflicted him with the poison. So he had motivation to go out there and to get it. And so he uh, quickly went over to the thing. And he filled up a syringe. And he's about to inject himself. And they stopped him. They stopped him. They said, now we know how much to give the guy. Because <laughs> they didn't think that the guy would tell him. And so I think they... Uh, they, they let him die or whatever it was, and they, they went over and they took the, the vial that he made up and they gave it to the guy who needed it, <laughs> the target of the, of the whole poison. Uh, well, we didn't desire the effects that it has on the rest of the body, but they come with the whole package. As we said, the margin here talks about this word being embittered. It embittered them. It poisoned them. It poisoned their minds and it embittered them. Uh, verse 3 says that Paul and Barnabas stayed there a long time. Let's read that. So if I go back to, to 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the believers, or against the, the brethren. Brethren, as in the people who believed, or specifically Paul and, and Barnabas. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. Doesn't that seem to be weird? It says they have poisoned the minds against them. So because of that, they stayed. Now, before, in the previous city, they, were, they poisoned their minds. They didn't use that wording, but they poisoned their minds. They were bittered against them, and they came after them. And what did they do? They left. But here, they poisoned their minds. They became embittered against them, and they stayed. Well, apparently, they didn't get everybody as upset as they did in the previous city, and so they, they stayed a little longer. But what this tells you is, therefore, they stayed. There is a cure for poisoning. And the cure is? Get under the word, listen to the word, and let that word filter out all that poison and pull that stuff out. Because poison involves anger, it involves bitterness, it involves th these kind of things are what's, what's involved. Poison always involves these things. Poison, poison, when it comes in, the target is to shut down your organs, shut down the heart, shut down your lungs, shut down your blood, shut down whatever it might be, livers, uh, kidneys, whatever. If they can shut down organs, they can shut you down. That's what the, the whole goal is. And the devil wants to come in and he wants to take things, put things in you that shuts down what God is trying to do in you. He's going to try and shut down the love of God. He's going to try and shut down patience. He's going to try and shut down long-suffering. He's going to try and shut down thinking the best of other people. You just go back to the, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. He's going to try and shut down those things. So the poison would come in to try and shut those things down, keep them out of your life. And if he can, he will keep you closed to hearing certain things of truth. He will keep you closed to hearing truth from certain people. And it will keep you against certain other, certain other people in your life. You will be against them. 
This is what poison does. How many of you know somebody who's been poisoned? Believers, unbelievers, whatever. People go to church, still poisoned. You can see they're against this. They're against this person. I don't like this person. I don't like what they do. I don't like this thing over here. <laughs> They've been poisoned. You, you can really tell this with, uh, with folks. If you get people onto a certain topic in the Bible and their expression changes, their eyes get big, their temper rises up, their temperature increases, they've been poisoned. He does not. So Paul and Barnabas stayed there a long time, so that would mean there is a cure. You can be cured of poison when it gets in. Best thing to do, not let it in. It's the best thing to do. Don't let it in. If someone is trying to stir you up against someone, best thing to do, don't let it in. Now here's a, here's a question for you. Have I allowed the word or actions of others to poison or embitter me? Have I done that to me? I'm the, I can only deal with poison in me. I got, I got to deal with the poison in me. Have I allowed the word or actions of others to poison or embitter me? If I have, that's, that's a problem. When we were going to, to Rama, we would go there every day and we would hear this one teacher who would come on the radio. He happened to come on the radio when we were driving into school on one of the stations over there and he would teach how charismatics were wrong, healing was wrong, faith people were wrong, Brother Hagin was wrong, all that sort of stuff. He hated them all. I mean, he just, he was poisoned. <laughs> in their, in their, but he was fantastic on other topics. And we would uh, listen to him. We'd like it better when he would be on other topics. He is a good teacher. You can really dig out some things in there. But I'll tell you what, he's got some poison going on inside of him to, to some of the things. Well, we just would realize that ab about him. I told you some of the works that I have in my library, um, particularly uh, one I mentioned, uh, Wiest. Love Wiest. Love the stuff he does. But if you have read extensively in his book, you will find out that he is against anything that deals with Jesus as the healer and spiritual gifts. As soon as he gets that, he leaves the Greek and he goes off in his own little tantrums. And, uh, but he's still good. He's good on a lot of these other things. But I got to realize, I'm not taking that in. <laughs> he gets on that thing. If, I, if I'm going to have a question about a spiritual gift, I don't go to East. That's not a place to go. So you just got to know some of these things that are there and don't allow that in. I don't get bitter towards uh, Mr. Weast. I don't get bitter to these other people. It's just like, you know what? You are missing out on all these things that these people can be telling you, helping you out with. And, uh, you know, you look at people like uh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham is not in the school of thought of other Raymond grads or people who uh, listen to Brother Hagin or Brother Copeland. Or, uh, he's, he's not in the same school of thought of that. But can we be blessed by, by him? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Surely we can. Nothing wrong with that at all. There's, um, there's, there's, there's good to be had from other churches. I mean, thank God. The only things to teach from the Word of God are not spiritual gifts in healing. There's a lot of other things to be taught on. Some people have, I, I think I told you the, down at Raymond when we were there, we would have uh, somebody come in on bus ministry. They came in from a Baptist church. The, one of the largest Baptist churches in the city of Tulsa had the largest bus ministry. They went from two buses to 40 buses in two years. And so they told us, they said, we think they know a thing or two about buses. <laughs> so they came on in and taught us about bus ministry. Well, who else was going to get this better? Now, Victory came on the scene uh, after that and and they became the pre, uh, uh, premier bus ministry church in the uh, group. They went into places, all kinds of places. I believe they surpassed the 40 bus uh, area, and uh, they were doing just great in that area. Um, they may have learned 
from that church as well. So how can I recognize it and what can be done? Recognize it if something on the inside of you is causing you to be against someone, a group of someone's, a teaching. If you are against it, check it out. Is this poison? Am I against it because I see this as poisoning other people, as harming them in the gospel? And, and check it out. Again, the truth will draw you to people, saved or unsaved. You are drawn to help them. You are drawn to pull them out of that. Jesus was drawn to heathens as well as, as unsaved. He would be found going to the house of publicans. And they would say about him, how does he just go into the house of sinners? <laughs> Simply because they're the people that needed the help. Poison. They came in, they poisoned the minds of these people. And that was a hindrance for them. We've got to be on guard about being poisoned. We've got to make sure that we don't get stirred up to be against other people and other things. Don't let that happen. Stay in the love of God. Stay in the patience. Stay in the long-suffering. Lead over 1 Corinthians 13 every once in a while. Pull that out and just go over that. How am I doing? Do that as a checklist. Just uh, check your vital signs. How am I doing in this area? Am I doing good here, 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 here? Yeah, all right, good. If you can get through 1 Corinthians 13 and say, I'm doing good and all that, you probably have not been poisoned. Probably have not been, been poisoned at all. You're doing all right. So make sure you recognize it. Make sure it doesn't happen to you and uh, as it happened to these folks. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us, that we do not have to accept poison. We know the benefits of staying in the truth, being drawn to the truth. We know the harm that comes from being poisoned. Help us, Father, to keep ourselves from those things that would poison us. Help us to help others to be drawn to them, to bring them to the truth that will help them out. If we see people that are poisoned, instead of getting embittered against them, angry with them, we need to be as Paul and Barnabas and stay there a long time and minister to them, try and help them out, get them out of that area. For there is a cure that comes from your spirit. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.